I'd like to welcome everyone to today's edition of the Software Spotlight. And joining us from the UK, we have Mike Heap, who is the co-founder of MyAsk AI. So welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Michael. And uh, I know a lot of our listeners have actually been uh, following the solution and uh, sitting on the sidelines and, and looking at, uh, at what's been happening. And obviously, it's been a, a very quick, uh, quick spin up and uh, a lot of, lot of exciting technology. So I was hoping we can take a, a deep dive into some of the, uh, some of the, best use cases for the solution and help anyone that's sitting on the sidelines figure out if they want to jump in. So um, I was wondering, um, you know, really what, what kind of inspired the um, startup of, of the solution? Yeah. So it actually came off the back of a few other AI products that uh, myself and Alex worked on. So Last year, there was obviously um, the boom of GPT-3 um, kind of being launched and lots of different applications of that. And we started focusing on um, fine-tuning as a concept, which is kind of um, in really simple terms, you take OpenAI's model and then you add some more data on top of it that allows you to kind of tune it for a specific use case. And so we built uh, a few tools around around that, one to help students write their personal statements to help them get into university. And then the second one that we built was actually a platform that allowed you to um, fine tune without code. So previously, you'd have to do some things that are a bit more technical for like the layperson, i.e. me. Um, you would have sure. to kind of send a JSON via an API, which is not something that the average person can do. And so we wanted to make a solution where um, you could just upload an Excel file to a website and then it would give you this kind of fine-tuned model back. And so that's what we launched as part of a hackathon um, in December last year. And then while we were doing that, we, we got a, a bit of traction. We got a few thousand users signed up to that. And... Um, what we started to see is we asked them a question when they would join, which would be, what do you want to use this product for? Uh, because obviously, obviously there are so many use cases, huge long tail of use cases. And so um, we started kind of trawling through the responses, speaking to lots of people who were, who were contacting us on email. And um, a lot of people um, wanted to use it for kind of customer support or they wanted to kind of upload lots of information and then get something kind of useful out that they could interact with. And part of the problem was to, to do that through fine tuning, you need to really heavily curate the data, by which I mean you kind of need to cleanse the data, you need to structure it in a really nice way, and you need to have hundreds if not thousands of examples that you sure. can use to train it. And again, that's just something that most people just can't be bothered to do. Um, and the people who can be bothered to do it get a lot of value out of it. But if you can't be bothered to do it, then you're kind of at a dead end. And so it was around that time that we actually saw um, uh, a few people on Twitter who were building tools that would allow you to uh, speak to a podcast or speak to a book and so ask them questions. And we thought that was really neat. But they're all developers. It was all like quite technical to do. And so we decided that um, kind of joining the dots of those two uh, concepts, if we could come up with a platform that would allow you to upload content or upload files, information, websites, etc., uh, just with a kind of drag and drop action, 
um, and then instantly kind of create an AI chatbot off the back of it. We thought that would be quite a powerful thing and, and again, useful, whether that be for kind of customer support or knowledge bases or, or for research and, and other cases like that. And so we kind of set about on that and Alex, um, to his eternal credit, managed in about three weeks to put this MVP together. Um, we actually did a kind of pre-launch campaign where we offered people like a hundred dollars um, uh, access for six months to the tool when it when it launched. So we managed to get about fifty people signed up to that. So we made about kind of five k revenue pre-launch, um, and that was sure. something that kind of validated the demand for us because that was more revenue than we'd made from the previous product in totality. So. Um, that kind of spurred us on to creating it. And then uh, we actually managed to launch it. As I say, it was about three, three or four weeks to launch. Um, and we launched kind of in the middle of uh, middle to late February. And we were kind of one of the first platforms to, to be doing this at that time. So it's really focused on the, the B2B market. Uh, so really businesses can take uh, any of their, their data and really search it at a, a very fine-tuned level, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. So I think like the the concept of chatbots historically is that you have to spend the time kind of setting them up. You have to create all these different paths. So you can say if this, then that. Um, And that's something that not only is it frustrating to set up and maintain and um, all that kind of stuff, but it's also frustrating for a user because you end up with a lot of dead ends. You end up with lots of questions you can't ask um, or get answers for. And so it's just kind of bad user experience. And I think that's kind of why a lot of people, when you mention a chatbot, they kind of have this kind of negative reaction. Um, but that's now obviously changing since the um, launch of ChatGPT. And so we realized what we could do with this um, new technology was just kind of feed in unstructured data, just documents, process documents, websites, um, your help docs, etc. Put all that in with kind of um, simple kind of web crawling um, and things. And then immediately you would have something that you could just talk to in natural language ask questions of and you get an answer straight away that is generated using um the gpt models from OpenAI. Um, and one of the cool things about it is um it'll actually synthesize a response so what i mean by that is say you had this uh, an answer to a question which was on three different pages or right. aspects of it were on three different pages it can take aspects from each of those pages and then push them into an answer and then write a new answer based on those uh, different aspects. And so it will synthesize a unique answer to give to the user that's really going to hit home and answer their question. Um, and the other thing that we do that is is quite powerful um, is that we give back the, the references or the sources of where we've got that information from. So not only does that kind of improve the, the trust and reliability from a user's perspective, but it also gives them a way to dive deeper and get more information if, if they want to. So they can just kind of click on the links and go off to um, that document in the future if, if they need to. And I think I think the whole concept that you have, uh, I think the slogan on your site was something like create an AI assistant quicker than you can whip up a cup of coffee. And uh, I think you've really hit the nail on the head because there are so many organizations out there that they know they need to be doing something about AI. They know that they need to be there. But at the end of the day, 
you know, may not have the internal resources or the know-how or the uh, tech stack to be able to launch an AI assistant of any any meaningful level, and uh, they want to get something to market. Yeah, and I think that's completely what we've seen. Is I, I think I think in many ways we're probably one of the easiest ways you can get started and implement some form of AI. We we hear from a lot of people where um, maybe their bosses said we need to be doing something with generative AI, and they're like, oh, what do I do? How You're can right. I kind of get this in my organization? And I'm going to have to get approvals through IT. And I'm going to have to do X, Y, and Z, and it's it's kind of all quite overwhelming. But um, we we very much set out to make something that was like completely no code. You don't need to know anything about AI. You don't need to know anything about development or anything like that. Um, you genuinely can build an AI uh, chatbot in kind of less than a minute. And as proof of that, we actually have um, someone we're talking to at the moment who's going to be building one as part of a skydive. So before he lands, he's going to have built uh, an Ask AI. So that's kind of testament to oh, I love the it. ease and speed with which they can kind of create one. But we also have a 77-year-old user um, who said, like, please use me in your testimonials. I'm a 77-year-old man, not super technical, and I've built an Ask AI. Um, so, so, yeah, I think, like, we're all about trying to lower the barriers, make it as easy as possible, make it as unintimidating as possible. And I think that's something that a lot of tools get wrong, really. We, we kind of want to be the the entry level um, way to get started with AI, I guess. And I think that's also kind of what's led our direction of working with integrations. So not only can you kind of add this to your website, but you can go to the Slack store or you can go to the Teams app store and you can just add a um, add the app and then you'll be able to use that within Slack or Teams again without code. Neat. I mean, you're you're really at the intersection of the two hottest trends: no code and uh, AI. I mean, you've really probably whether, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whether that was the intention or not, you're there. Um, and clearly, uh, you know, you have tens of thousands of, of positive reviews. Just so many people are, are thrilled with the solution. So I think that's uh, that's really exciting. Um, can you walk me through some of the early days when you know? when the two of you were conceptualizing the uh, the product and the solution and, and really what what got you to market where you are now, where you have a, a viable product? Because I think there's a lot of, a lot of companies out there that uh, may be toying around with different ideas, but just are not able to, you know, get to that next step to take from concept to reality. And obviously the two of you have done that. Yeah, so I think um, one thing that we we thought about quite early on was um, how we didn't want to, what's the phrase, Um, hitch your wagon to the wrong horse. Um, And so like the one of the, uh, we we were looking at all these different applications of AI, you could use AI to write children's bedtime stories, you could use AI to uh, generate pictures, etc. But unless you've got a kind of unique proprietary data set to do that, or you have some kind of distribution advantage to someone else, then we really wouldn't recommend kind of going down that route because the barriers to entry are so low for creating AI tools now, especially kind of with the, with the launch from OpenAI of GPTs um, last Monday. Sure. That it's just so simple that you kind of need to really focus in on what is the use case and what is the niche that you can kind of serve or focus on. 
Um, and I think that was um, something that's something that kind of we, we always kind of reiterate to ourselves each day is like, are we are we narrow enough? And I think we can always kind of go narrow with with a niche. I think the other thing to consider is like whether you are doing something with AI for AI's sake or whether you're doing you're creating something with AI because it actually solves a problem. Um, it's not always like the the best way to experience something. Like so, for if if you imagine like you're booking uh, a flight, um, if you're booking a flight to go on a holiday, and you wanted to um, go at a certain time, well, doing that through a chat interface is probably less efficient and less effective than if you were just to get a little calendar picker, choose your date, these are your available t- times and flights, and you can see the other sure. options. Whereas a lot of people try to shoehorn everything into like an AI chat interface, which just means that it's not always the best experience. And I think like the best products that you see now are the people who are using AI as a feature within a bigger product a lot of the time, rather than it being the core product itself. Because yeah. unless unless they have like that uh, huge training data set or their own model or something like that, then you're just not going to compete against like some of the uh, the big AI companies. Whereas if you just take what you do right now and find ways to be more efficient by kind of sprinkling AI in some of your features, like maybe it's some kind of categorization of when a user signs up and you can um, learn a bit more about them or tailor an email campaign specifically to them that's much more personal. You can do those sorts of things en masse that you couldn't do easily before. And I think those are the kind of edges that are, are going to help you more than building an outright AI product on its own. Interesting. And, you know, it's, it's, it's also maybe analogous to, you know, if you think back in the day, you know, software was something that you downloaded to your PC and, you know, it quickly transitioned to something that was a service or software as a service and you had these these two competing ideas and now really software is really just you know for the most part software as a service when you say software to somebody and then i think at the same point you know right now the whole concept of ai is new and and but at the end of the day i think it's like you're saying i think it's going to be baked into a lot of solutions and and really just almost expect it so yeah. I think, yeah, I think at the end of the day, just finding the right use case and all of that. So, so as far have you seen a, a market or two uh, that seem to be the the highest um, use cases for my ask AI? Yeah, so I think the um, probably the top two or three. Uh, the the top ones probably customer support uh, for websites, and this is probably a good one because. Um, a lot of websites already have some kind of help documentation or blog content um, that they just want to uh, improve the distribution or access to um, to users. And so having something that you can just put in a website, click go, finds all your web pages, and then creates your uh, your bot that you can then just put on your site with a couple of lines of code that you just copy and paste. Um, sure. That's kind of the lowest friction Uh, practical use um, really I think that you can see because with customer support you only have to kind of get one person to put it onto the site and then everyone can use it whereas our second case which is like the the second biggest case is is like knowledge knowledge knowledge-based use case and so this is where uh, a company will 
connect maybe their Google Drive or their Notion, or they'll upload lots of documents, um, and then they'll give access to all of their employees um, in the company via Slack or Teams. So they can just go into Slack and they'll just type slash ask AI, ask their question, and then the answer comes back within Slack references, all that kind of stuff, the same with Teams. Um, but I think why customer support uh, is a better kind of introductory use case than a knowledge-based tool is because the in a knowledge base, you kind of have to try and get everyone within the organization to, to use it and adopt it, which is kind of always quite a difficult thing. Right. The other one that we see that's quite popular is um, research for people, whether that be students or economists or lawyers, etc. Um, we see them using it where they just upload some uh, papers or documents um, or, again, connect to Google Drive, and then they can just ask uh, questions of it. But I think like primarily the, the largest use case by far and away is customer support. And, and it's the one that kind of we're, we're building some more custom solutions for now as well. Sure. And, and with the uh, increasing, you know, needs to get, you know, accurate answers to people quickly, you know, customer yeah. support, you know, having, you know, vast amounts of data and really just helping the customer find the information that they need quickly and, and, you know, relevant information. That's, that's a perfect use case. And just out of curiosity, yeah. the name, my ask AI, where, where did that come from? Had, had you looked at a bunch of different names or did it just appear as, as the right choice or. Yeah. So we, um, we always look for what we call um, in the UK as, as a, a, a company called Ron seal, um, which is, like a wood varnishing company. I do have a point here. The um, their advert is Ron Seal. It does what it says on the tin, right? So it's just like it's a wood varnish tool. That's it. Um, and so we always like names that we call a Ron Seal names, and so they they do what sure. you think they're going to do. And so like our previous business before this was No Code AI Model Builder dot com, and okay. so it does what it says. Yeah. Previous one before that was University Statement Generator. And like, we don't care if it's like a long name. We just want something that's really obvious and intuitive as to what it is. And I think with my Ask AI, you ask the AI questions, it's yours. You can do with it what you want. It's trained on your information. It doesn't have other people's information. It's not going to make things up or anything like that. And so when we found that we could also get the .com domain for it, we just realized that we should just go it for that one. No, no brainer. Yeah, absolutely. And is there a, um, maybe a, a customer or two um, that that are using the solution that have seen, you know, a, a huge benefit, you know, maybe in one of those areas you were talking about that you could give us a, a, a use case example of a company that uh, has found the solution to be beneficial. Yeah. So um, a good one is probably there's, there's a company uh, in the U S who, um, they they basically uh, have like a very complex um, 3D printing business, right? And so it, it's hard to kind of explain to people. It's hard to explain even to people within the same company. Um, sure. Like if they're kind of asking questions about how things work or trying to explain something to a client. Um, and so they, uh, they got a subscription. They ad- uploaded all of their, their files. And now kind of instead of the, say, marketing or operations team having to go to 
um, the, the more technical specialists of which there are only a few in the company um, and they're already kind of highly le- leveraged and don't have a lot of time and would sure. get frustrated asking or answering kind of simple questions again and again. Um, so now they can just give them kind of this bot and kind of 80% or so of their questions that they would usually have to feel themselves can now get answered. And so they get much fewer distractions. Um, the kind of sales team get answers to questions when they need it so they can respond to clients faster. I just thought that was kind of a really uh, yeah, neat application really neat. internally. Yeah. And I would also think maybe human resources where they're probably being asked oh, yeah. a lot of the same questions over and over, you know, uh, how much vacation time do I have? What's the policy for this? You know, is this holiday, you know, you know, do we, do we get a comp day for this holiday? You know, all of the, yeah. the same types of questions. Yeah, it's exactly that. Especially um, one of the things we've seen is um, for employee onboarding, obviously, like, especially if you're sure. kind of in a, in a higher turnover um, industry, then like constantly having to teach people how to do the same process again and again can get quite, um, overwhelming for people in the HR. And so again, just kind of being able to give them uh, a bot that they can just ask questions to. And I think the other thing is there are, there are so many questions that go unasked because people right. don't feel confident kind of asking them or I think it's a stupid question. Um, there's a great, uh, use or example of that in, um, it's not so much B2B, but it's a good example of the case that will kind of demonstrate this is um, a teacher in Canada um, who made an ask of all of their course material. Now, previously, they had drop-in sessions where um, students would would come in and ask questions. And I think on average, they said they got three questions a week in this drop-in session. They then released this Ask AI, and they found that um, over the kind of midterm period, they were getting a 1,000 questions a day to their Ask AI. Um, which just kind of goes to show that if you kind of really lower the friction for people um, and make it easy and make it anonymous almost, that they are going to ask more questions. And this is a thing that always kind of gets me when I see websites that don't have a chatbot on their site or an easily accessible one, one that you have to kind of go diving through to find. It's going to be so many people who come to your site, don't get what it's about or can't find something, and then they're going to bounce. Whereas if you've got your... AI there that you can just answer that question at no additional cost to you, then it kind of seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, um, obviously conversion rate optimization on any website is important, but um, yeah. as, uh, the, you know, the demands of uh, the markets continue to demand more more, more profit from every company, um, yeah. you know, and the cost of advertising continues to go up, you know, I would think integrating tools like this are are going to become more and more important to uh, to to really maximize conversions. So yeah, and and I think the the other kind of thought is that when you the 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 route often for a company might be they start with a live chat, they get more volume on the live chat than they can handle. They may be offshore to um, somewhere to to. Um, economically answer these questions but then you have to train these people up they can't always they're still not responding instantly you might have a kind of two-hour turnaround time or something um and you're also not sure of the the quality of the answers that's coming back whereas with an ai 
Therefore, you you know the quality, you know it's going to be instant, you know it's got that kind of source of truth of your documents, and then it just makes it such a, a better solution, I think, than um, allowing these people that you're probably not paying an awful lot, and so don't have a, that real incentive um, sure. to to really serve your customers. It's kind of like your your most important asset is your customers and so you, you have to make sure that you you serve them in a in a kind of standardized and high quality way so so for a company that that is going to launch an ai on their site um are there some you know best practices that you suggest uh for for you know implementing it that uh really will you know give them the best experience and their customers the best experience yeah, so there's, there's a number of things you can do um, with an Ask AI to kind of customize it. So you can do things like you can customize the welcome message. So that will say, um, hey, how are you doing? You can give it a kind of prompt to ask a, um, a more interesting question. You can um, also do things like um, there'll be people who come in and ask questions that can't be answered because you don't have the knowledge um, out there for it. And so you can kind of set a response um, that's going to point them towards a support team or an email inbox or something if they um, if it doesn't have an answer. Um, and I think the other thing is to test it out early on with questions that you would expect to be getting. So you can see where the gaps are in your documentation. You can then uh, look at the analytics um, of the tool to then see um, where where is it struggling to answer questions because we've got a lack of document? Where are the common questions uh, coming up? And therefore, maybe there's ways that you can improve the products, the user experience. Maybe there's a messaging or a communication problem, all those kinds of things. So I think like early on, just kind of monitoring it and making sure that kind of you're iterating and improving upon it. Um, but in terms of kind of actually getting it onto the site, I think it's it really is like, copy paste the line of code get it up and then just get it get it live. yeah just get it up as soon as possible really so you can start learning from it and can can the um solution actually collect information like can it uh, you know uh, capture lead information like a company name an email address things like that or is it not set for that Yes, so you can capture a name, which you can specify as either being the individual's name or the company name, um, and you can uh, collect an email address as well. Um, and we'll probably look in the future to allow um, additional kind of fields of collection as well. Sure, no, that's great. And uh, for you know, for companies that have different solutions, obviously, there's a lot of companies on WordPress and Shopify and different solutions like that, but um how does the integration work is it you know useful across any type of uh platform or specific or yeah so we so we have some dedicated integrations so we have a wordpress integration we have one for uh, bubble which is a website builder um but to be honest because the um the embed code is literally just a couple of lines of html it therefore works on any website, really. As long as you, as long as on your website builder, you have something that says like add a custom blo- code block or add some code to your header section. That's all you need, um, and you can add it. And we've we've got a number of tutorial videos showing people how to do it on things like Wix or Squarespace or all these kind of different sites. It's like sure, so 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 easy. 
Yeah, re- readily available for for any any company yeah, to exactly. use. And um, at a high level, can you talk a little bit about the the technology behind my Ask AI? What um, you know, how is it? Um, you know, you don't have to reveal the secret sauce, but no, in no, terms of of you know how it what's happening behind under the hood, so that people can understand. Yeah, sure. Luckily, it's a pretty well-trodden scene now. There's not a lot of uh, kind of secrets now. Um, so essentially what happens is you'll upload a website or you'll upload a document. We'll then take all the text from that document or website. We'll break that up into chunks of text. So maybe you've got one Word document you've uploaded. We break it into 10 chunks of text. Um, we then... We'll consider a bit of an overlap between each chunk as well, so there's no context missing between two. Um, then what we do is we pass that uh, chunk of text to OpenAI. Um, they have something called the Embeddings API, which is more complexity than you need to know. But basically, that turns that chunk of text into a set of numbers, a sequence of numbers. And that sequence of numbers is kind of like a semantic fingerprint. What I mean by that is it essentially... Um, is a number that represents the meaning of that chunk of text because you're trying to kind of standardize all these different bits of information into one pattern of things so you can compare them. So you do that for every chunk. So you then convert each chunk into this uh, set of numbers that all gets stored in a database. Then what happens is when you ask a question, the question is also converted into this set of numbers that represents the meaning of the question. So you've got the question, and then you've got all these chunks of text and their meaning. So what you do is you compare this chunk, uh, this set of numbers, to all these numbers, and you find which are the closest matching numbers to this number. And then that all gets pushed into um, a prompt, which most people are familiar with, um, a chat GPT prompt, um, whereby it will say, answer this question, which is the one that's been asked, using these chunks of text, which are the ones that have been identified as being the closest and most similar chunks of text. So it pushes all that into a prompt and then gives you an answer. But there's a kind of secret, or not a secret, but a key bit to it, which is basically saying that if the answer isn't in this chunk of text, do not answer. Because that's the bit that stops it doing what's called hallucination or kind of making things up or lying to something. Got it. Okay. Um, and so that that's the bit that kind of controls the AI and keeps it on these guardrails. That's very, very exciting. Um, and as far as the solution itself, uh, you know, is, is there a feature or two that really um, help to distinguish or differentiate the product from, from what's out there that, you know, obviously the ease of use is, is key. Yeah. Yeah. So aside from the ease of use, I'll probably say um, our level of kind of integrations with with other tools. So um, there's very few kind of products out there which have the kind of depth and breadth of integrations that that we have. Um, So not only having kind of your drag and drop documents and websites, but also kind of your uh, Google Drive integration, your Notion integration uh, as inputs of information. But on the other side, you've also got the outputs of information and uh, integrations being Slack, being Teams, being WhatsApp as well. So you can create a WhatsApp bot uh, without any coding Um, and also bubble embeds, all those kinds of things. So I think being able to kind of connect one AI to lots of different places is probably... um, thing that kind of sets us apart uh, from a future perspective 
huge huge advantage there. Well, mm-hmm. I was hoping uh, you know I, I I can hear people uh, saying, "Show us the solution already. Show it to us." <laughs> so I was hoping maybe you could uh, give us a, a, a quick demo of, of how the solution uh, works, so that people can get a visual for for uh, for Ask AI. Sure. Let me share my screen. Okay. Can you see that? Yeah, that 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 is uh, up on the screen for us. Cool. So what we've done here is we've basically trained the AI on uh, all of Slack's help documentation. So we've gone to add content, we've then put in their website, and then it's just crawled through thousands of pages and added them all to the Sask AI. And then what you've got is a kind of standard chat interface uh, here. And what we can do is we can just try one of the questions um, and then it's kind of doing that process where it's looking for the most relevant chunks of information and it's given a response. So what you can see here is it's, it's given this response, which is a unique one that isn't one you'd find verbatim in any of Slack's documentation. This is completely made up by the AI, uh, but using the information from it. So in this case, it's taken information from this page. And so you can go to this page for more information. Um, then what we do, which is uh, quite neat, is we also generate use the AI to generate follow-up questions to help the user through the conversation. So then they can continue to ask questions by clicking and continuing. Oh, that's neat. Um, So it really, uh, really guides the conversation and helps them. Yeah, exactly. Um, So it kind of anticipates what maybe the next next question might be. Um, Then you can continue asking questions, you can rate them, you can do things like if there's something that you want to add to an answer, then you can also um, add an answer correction, it's called. So if we wanted to add something in, say, they can build apps faster than JavaScript, Python, Java, and uh, C Sharp, then you can add that on. Um, and then the next time the, the question is asked, it will come up with uh, that answer instead. Um, all the embeds and integrates, uh, integrations are super easy. You literally, as I said, to add it to a website, all you're doing is you're copying and pasting that and then pasting it into the head section of a site, and that's it. Um, we've got tons of kind of customization options, as I said. You can change, customize your profile picture, the name of it. You can change the appearance, change your fonts, change your colors to match it with your brand. Um, you can do things like you can change the prompt. This is quite interesting. So um the the prompt is or system prompt is the thing that controls the tone and the personality in a way of the bot and so if you've got a specific kind of brand personality then you can uh, amend that so for instance you could say like answer like a pirate and then when it comes back with the answer it's going to say like army mateys and it'll be talking kind of like that so if there's something exactly yeah you can really kind of make something quite neat there and then we've got all these kind of um abilities to change placeholder text and things like that um and then we've also got kind of a number of security features to make sure that it's kind of locked to a domain and things like that um and then the the other thing we've got is these analytics so the analytics will show you the number of questions that have been asked um you can download them all see what the questions being asked are who's been asking them um which questions that it wasn't able to answer as well so you can improve your content and your documentation We also have a neat kind of insights report feature. Now, what that does is that sends um, an email that summarizes the last 
a few hundred questions and they'll say, these are the most common five themes of questions that have come up and here are some example questions. So you can learn what people are really asking questions about your product. Um, so yeah. So, so that, that... let me give you an example. So our, our site has, yeah. you know, uh, nearly, you know, hundreds or even thousands of different software solutions. Could the bot actually help a user navigate, you know, find what they're looking for and navigate to the right part of the site? Yeah. So if you were to, so what you would do with a, specifically with a directory is you would take all, all your pages, you would give the, uh, the prompt a bit more context to say like, we are a kind of directory site. People will be asking for recommendations on things. And then what it will use is whatever text you've got on each of those pages that describes the product, describes its use case, it will use that um, to try and find what might be useful. So then if someone comes in and says, I'm looking for an AI tool to help me with um, content generation, for example, and then it's going to look through all those um, pages and look not just for things that say content generation, it's also going to say like, write new material or anything that's kind of semantically similar to that. So you don't have to have uh, this kind of keyword matching like it's historically been the case with websites. And so they can much more easily um, find information, find examples, find use cases. And we absolutely have people using it in that way now. Yeah, I would think that that sites that have a tremendous number of products or a tremendous number of maybe technical solutions or just, you know, information to uh, help people navigate to would uh, would really be benefited by this. Yeah, and, and I think that's um, one of the interesting cases is that especially if you have a particularly technical product, not always your, your users aren't always technical as as technical as the product. And so um, one of the nice things you can do with it is you can obviously um, not only in the prompt itself, you can say, the, the users are non-technical, but you could, the user can also ask a question within the chatbot and say, okay, can you explain that to me like I'm five? And then it's going to explain it in very simple terms so they can get uh, an answer that they're going to understand. So it's kind of like, it's the bridge, I guess, in communication because you'll, you'll come up with the copy on your site, but that's going to be hopefully targeted at your ICP, but there's going to be people on the fringes of your ICP that aren't going to get it or need it more technical or less technical. And, and so this kind of plugs the gap for them because it will kind of work however they want it. And are, are people at this point comfortable uh, chatting with the chatbot, you know, uh, as long as it's clear up front that, that it is a chatbot or what do you find out? Yeah, we, we, I mean, we, we see some people have some very in-depth com- conversations with, with our own Ask AI. Sure. Um, we also see people trying to hack it sometimes, yeah. which is fun. It's nice to see that it, it's not very uh, hackable. Yeah. Um, and we see, I, I think the other thing we see is um, people get answers a lot more quickly um, because kind of instead of a normal chatbot where you have to click X, Y, and Z to get to your answer, um, because it's pulling information from lots of places at once, then it's going to give you an answer much quicker than a person who's trying to kind of figure out or find the right document to provide to you. Because um, no one person is going to have um, instant like memory recall for 1,200 or 3,000 right. documents or product pages, whereas this does, and it will give yeah. you the answer right there and then. And so you don't need to kind of 
wind your way through to get an answer always yeah you just factual. Away. i mean everything is exactly. you know, just it based has to on, be factual yeah it's all based on on actual you know details so that, mm, that's yeah. really neat um and uh, you know is so obviously a lot of uh solutions there are are you know based on different components of of open ai and all of that but um it really sounds like you know you've taken it to the next level in terms of making a product that actually combines multiple technologies and and really delivers on uh on a real market need so that that's really neat yeah yeah we we definitely try to and and luckily and unluckily because we were so, so early on in this um pretty much all of the kind of stack of it is is kind of built custom ourselves um rather than using a lot of off-the-shelf tools that that some other products do which gives us the much more control and customizability and things like that and um i think one of the interesting bit things has, has been kind of OpenAI's recent launch of really cool kind of technology but very much kind of more limited to individual use cases um we've we've seen kind of a lot of examples where people can kind of download the data that's been uploaded to it obviously kind of security breach there but also it's kind of quite restrictive in the number of documents you can upload it makes things up all these kind of things and so while it's useful for kind of those um kind of fun playful use cases um i think if if you wanted something that you could kind of trust and put on your site then that's when you want to be using something a bit more custom and robust like uh, mysql and and you know this is a, a question I like to ask anyone that's been on the podcast. But considering that you're at the intersection of AI and no code, uh, which are are two huge trends, um, from from where you sit, what what do you see as as trends like moving forward in um, in the space that you're in? Mm, I think I think going forward, I think a lot of focus has to be more on effective distribution. So as barriers to entry come way, way down and things become easier and easier to launch, people can create a new feature or a new product in hours or days. Um, I think more and more the focus is on how do you get that product to a user? And so, and especially how do you do that quickly? Because if a lot of products can be made easily, they can be copied very easily and therefore it's really vital that you have someone who has a kind of megaphone who can instantly get it into the hands of people. And this is where I think like influencers are going to be quite um, important because they already have that audience, they have that trust and things like that. And so finding ways uh, for influencers to kind of partner with, um, with builders is, is going to be kind of vital really. So I think they're the ones um, who um, are going to, make the most of kind of the ai boom really because everyone else apart unless you're kind of one of these big open ai um, type companies yeah. everyone else is as soon as they see something take off they'll just copy it and yeah i think absolutely. that's yeah so and are, are there any use cases that you've seen that that kind of blew your mind you were like wow i i never imagined that somebody would uh would find a way to use it like that that uh that really were very interesting and uh and unique or, or novel yeah so we've got PG-13. um 13 yeah yeah <laughs> so I'm, I'm, i won't say too much about it but the, the one of the coolest use cases we've got is someone who's um enabling other people to write books 
using uh, Ask AI. So they're kind of, they found a way to kind of custom write hundreds of prompts that all get kind of sent to Ask AI in succession that are then constructed together uh, to generate like uh, a few hundred pages of a book. Um, And it's all kind of, so if you think like, say you've been collecting notes or writing notes um, for years, like you've got loads of notes on your phone, you've got notes in in books, et cetera. Um, And then you give kind of the title, a one line title of like your book. And then you say, this is the title. These are all my notes. Go. And then it can write this very, very good. Actually, I've seen a few examples, um, like a couple of hundred page book. Um, and I think that's that's probably that's one of the brilliant. neatest yeah. uh, things I've seen. That that brings up a good question. You're probably a, a great person to ask. So a lot of um, AI tools out there do require um, multiple prompts, you know, in order to be able to generate a final final answer. Why is that? Why 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 is it not possible for the AI to, you know? be given a a whole series of instructions and to kind of follow it from the beginning to the end. Yeah. So I think firstly, they're they're always going to be getting better at following instructions. I think with every release of a new model, they're getting better and better at at following. But I think it's, it's kind of the same as you would with a, with a person. Like if you give someone like a hundred different instructions in, in one go, they're going to find it a lot harder than if you go kind of step by step with them. Um, cause I think it's a similar thing. So with ask AI, one of the, um, considerations and one of the kind of technical optimizations we have to do is to determine how many like chunks of text to bring back into an answer. Right. So you might be thinking, well, bring as much as you can more bring is like Not more is better. Yeah. But actually, if you're trying to answer a question, you've got lots of different kind of, um, aspects to it, then there might be, um, confusing bits or or there might be bits that conflict and so actually then you actually only really want the most pointed bits uh, that are going to help you and so i think like when you write long instructions it's also very difficult to ensure that those instructions don't conflict with one another and and actually i think when people write out prompts you it's very hard to not um to, to write a really con- kind of concise, accurate prompt. So one thing we we noticed uh, kind of a few months ago, we had something that said, um, always answer in English, say it was part of the prompt, right? Right. And you think like, okay, well, that means every time it's going to answer, it's going to answer in English. Um, but actually, because you've written always answer in English, it, it might take that first part of always answer to mean that it's going to answer whatever question, regardless of if it shouldn't be able to answer. And that overrides oh, the kind of wow. piece that says don't answer if it's not in the context. So it kind of depend on your ordering as well. So we had this where, um, so the instance that we actually had was we had our main prompt, which kind of controls it. And then we had a bit at the end where people could customize to say, like, always answer in a professional tone. And so it would kind of be fine. And then you would add that bit on and then it's like, oh no, I need to answer this question because it says to always answer. And so that kind of throws it off. So I think like it's also helps with debugging and stuff, doesn't it? If you. Yeah. So a lot of it is really learning, you know, proper prompting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I Although I, th- I think I think like ultimately it will just kind of le- less and less is less and less prompting is going to be required kind of in the future as as models get better. But there is always kind of um, there's always going to be some need for them because there's ambiguity in the things that humans ask for. Um, so yeah. Well, it's, it sounds like it's been a, a, a pretty quick journey. Are, are there any? Um... Uh, capabilities that you've released recently that that the team is excited uh, to have shared. Yeah, we've we've got one that's coming up very soon. So in the next couple of weeks, um, we've got a product that's like super focused on customer support specifically. Um, so you can obviously use the current products for customer support works very well. We've got a lot of people using it already for that use case, but we've got one that'll allow you to. Uh, do a human handover. So if you've got kind of another tool that you're already using, it'll allow you to kind of switch that if it doesn't know the answer. And it'll also provide a neat little summary of the conversation that AI has had to date. So the human that it's been handed over has context on the conversation. So that, sure. that's kind of one neat thing. And then the next really cool thing that, that's coming out of it is um, we realized that a lot of conversations um I mean, we, we still do kind of a lot of uh, human support for our paid customers, not not for our free customers, um, because the product's always changing. Um, but one of the things that we noticed is um, trying to identify like feature requests and bugs and then prioritizing them and all this kind of stuff. And we thought, actually, what we could do is we could use the AI to summarize all of the interactions or the conversations, break them down into kind of topics and insights. So then in a live view, you can then see, okay, this bug has come up like 10 times in the last week, we should look into it. Or this feature request is coming up a lot more often now. And therefore we need to, we should maybe prioritize that. And so I think that um, kind of data piece is something that I haven't really seen anyone else doing. And I think that's going to be very cool when it, when it launches. That's neat. And obviously you're using your own tools so that that speaks volumes right, right there. So for, um, companies that are, are looking to get started with the solution, uh, can you talk a little bit about the different, uh, ways in which they can, uh, are there different plans? And obviously we'll leave a a link in the show notes for anyone that would like to get started, but how would they decide, uh, how to get started? Sure. So the, the the main kind of influencing factor uh, between the plans is the the number of pieces of content, and content is essentially the number of uh, files or web pages that you have uh, that you want to upload to your Ask AI. So we have a hobby plan, which is nineteen ninety nine dollars a month, um, and that allows you to upload up to a hundred pieces of content. So that can be documents, that can be web pages. We then have our pro plan, which is $99 for a thousand pieces of content. And then we have our B store, kind of more enterprise plan, which is uh, $999 a month and um, uh, up to 10,000 pieces of content. Now, on all of those, we have a, an annual discount. So you get 33% off if you pay in advance. Um, but the, yeah, the, the main differentiator between them is the content, the volume then, of content. Exactly. And then there's also some additional features that go into the pro plan, things like uh, the email capture is on the pro plan. Um, you also get more questions as you kind of go up the limits as well. But we often find that the question limits aren't the thing that's kind of hit as, as fast. People always think they're going to get more questions than they actually do um, sure. in a month. So because it kind of answers questions more, 
more quickly. Um, so yeah, so those are kind of uh, differentiated. And then we also kind of do some more custom things for some people uh, who ask for them as well. So we've got a few kind of more enterprise clients where we kind of do custom integrations or APIs and things for them as well. Sure. And it sounds like a lot of the uh, integrations that are really more more common are already baked into the solution so that that is uh... yeah exactly all, all of the integrations are actually accessible on all of the plans including our free plan and i think our free plan is actually one of the most uh, generous free plans I, I i think of of kind of any of these types of tools uh, allowing you to upload 10 documents or web pages um you can embed it somewhere you can use the integrations uh, you can ask 50 questions a month it's definitely kind of enough to be playing around with and, and seeing if it works or if you've got a, a very 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 small kind of site then uh, it might be sufficient for you anyway so so for content i know you mentioned google docs and you mentioned notion um in terms of integrations with like chat solutions and and the like what what are the main integrations there maybe slack um, or so on the output side, we integrate with Slack, we integrate with Teams, uh, WhatsApp, um, Messenger probably in the future as well, um, Facebook Messenger that is. Um, those are probably the main kind of output integrations. Got it. Okay. Well, I mean, that's 90% of the market right there. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's really neat and uh, fantastic. Now, in terms of onboarding, um, obviously, it sounds like the solution is super straightforward um but is there a support option and and you know how would um you know other than just getting started on the website and getting up and running um what other resources are available in terms of knowledge base and and all yep. of that yep so we we have a really extensive knowledge base we've, we've taken a lot of time to kind of put that together um on our doc site and all of that knowledge base feeds into our Ask AI. So you can kind of always ask questions to the Ask AI as well. Um, we also, for for anyone who goes onto a paid plan, we offer a, like an introductory call uh, with myself or Alex. Um, and also we're kind of happy to help people get set up, jump on calls, regardless of the, the plan that, that you're doing. We'll help you get set up. We'll help you add it to your site. Make sure you kind of get an optimal results for it as well. And we, we do that. Um, like a few times a week at least. Neat. No, it sound, sounds like uh, you've really taken the care to not only put out a product that is exceptional, but uh, really taking uh, customer care for your your end, end customers, your customers and your customers' <laughs> customers are uh, really, you know, at the highest level. So that, that's yeah, really nice to, to say. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, that that. I think gives us a great overview of the solution. Were there any final thoughts that you wanted to leave with, with our listeners? I, I wish I had something inspirational to say, but no, not really. I think um, I'm just really excited about kind of this new um, version that we're going to be launched in the next couple of weeks um, and getting that into some people's hands. Cause if nothing else, we're really excited to see how uh, using it on our own site and seeing what kind of insights we can pull back from it. So hopefully other people will be too. Well, that's neat. So hopefully uh, this has been uh, eye-opening for a lot of people. And I think, um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of the solutions we talked about today, you know, obviously have a very wide range of, of uh, applications. So 
We will uh, leave a, a link in the show notes. And coming up on our, our next podcast, um, we're going to have Joran Hoffman, uh, who's actually with uh, a company uh, called Redditus. And Redditus is a leading affiliate management software solution uh, designed to offer companies that, that have software as a service uh, a comprehensive platform for growing monthly recurring revenues without upfront costs. So that is uh, coming up on our next podcast. And uh, I would like to thank you for joining us today on the Software Spotlight. Thanks very much, Mike.